We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, it's been a little while, but we're back with Mel Tucker's Inside Zone, the podcast for the head football coach here at the University of Colorado. I'm voice of the boss, Mark Johnson. And Mel, we got a treat here today. we we got a guy that, when you talk about you know the Mount Rushmore of buffs, he's going to be on. He's one of the great buffs of all time. Yeah. He is one of the most dynamic players of all time. He had a great uh, NFL career. He's been a coach. But most importantly, now we got to call him Super Bowl champion. <laughs> I know. Eric Bieniemy is joining us. EB, welcome to Mel Tucker's Inside Zone. I appreciate you guys having me on. What's going on, fellas? Hey, man, we're just living the dream here in sunny Boulder, man. Hey, congratulations <laughs> on that Super Bowl victory, man. Those those rings, man, they're so hard to get, man. So just big, huge congrats to you. Well, I appreciate it. You know, over this way, though, uh, between me and Connor Embry, we like to call it the first annual Embry Bowl. <laughs> you know, there's it, a split in that family now. There's going to be uh, some interesting holidays, and, and I'm actually going to try and make it back to one of those at one some point in time just to see the dynamics and how the family's going to work and coexist from here on out. Well, I bet. Hey, you know, it is so, as Mel says, it's so hard to get one of those rings and the grind and the effort and the time. When that, when that clock finally struck zero in Miami last weekend and you realized that, that you were the offensive coordinator for a Super Bowl championship team, what went through your mind? What were you thinking about? How'd you feel? You know what? It, it, it's still a surreal moment in time, you know, and at that particular moment, it really didn't sink in. You knew you were Super Bowl champs, but it just felt like we had just won a game. 
And when you're, when you're coaching and you grind as much as we do, you put all your time and energy, I mean, you sacrifice so much, um, it just it, it, it felt good. But there was just, just that, that the deal where it just really didn't sink in. I think um, after experiencing what we did yesterday with the parade and just having seeing the city and how they embraced us and how excited and happy they were, and all the things that have generated just because of the success that we've had in this area, those are the things that make you realize, man, this is this is something special to be a part of, and that's that's the beauty of it. But knowing all the hard work that goes into it, you know, just looking back at it from a year ago, from when we lost to New England, having getting so close but yet so far, but then lining up and doing it all over again, you know, it just goes to show you we had a great organization. We got some great players that understood and was willing to get themselves back to this particular point, but also to find a way to finish, but also to the coaching staff that we have that just did an outstanding job this year, just making sure that our guys remain focused throughout the entire season and throughout the entire process. It's gratifying. Yeah, you know, EB, I was pulling for you guys, obviously pulling for you, pulling for, you know, Miko, Reggie Ragland. I love uh, Andy Reid. He's always been good to me. And, and, you know, just watching that game, there's a point in that game, and, uh, I mean, we're all only human. You look, and it's the fourth quarter. You're down about a couple scores, and it's not looking too good, you know. It's not looking too good at all. Just could you talk to us a little bit about the the sideline, at you know, at that point in the game, uh the headsets, the talk on the headsets, the talk, you know, with the uh, with the players on the sideline, you know, the quarterback, you know, kind of what was being said, you know, how were you guys trying to, you know, keep your poise and kind of stay in the game? Well, one thing, let's give credit where credit is due. Uh, San Fran, they did a hell of a job. Yeah. I mean, they made it to the Super Bowl because of who they are. They have a great defense. They also have a great offense. Yeah. But, I mean, they were doing some things. They were executing their scheme better than what we were. They were getting after us up front. Uh, you know, they caused a little confusion at times, and we just – we were out of sync and out of rhythm. And we just – we've always told our guys, hey, you know what? It does not matter throughout the course of a 60-minute game of what happens. The only thing that we want you to do is play hard and play fast. Yeah. All right? And the only thing that, that that's important is the very next play. Yeah. There was a point in time after uh, we threw that last pick, it kind of bounced off of Tyreek's uh, arms. Uh, yeah. Pat, you know, could have thrown him a better ball. Sure. But we've also seen Tyreek make that play. Yep. You know, it was a point in time where the the frustrations could have grown, but it didn't. You know, as a staff, we always remain poised. We just coach our guys through the process. And when it's all said and done with, just told our guys, listen, don't worry about anything, okay? Yeah. We know what they're going to do. We know where they're going to be. Let's just make sure that when called upon, you make the play. And just when I had that conversation with Tyreek, I told Tyreek, listen, sit down, okay? I don't care. Nobody's blaming you for anything. Right. The ball is going to – we're going to get this ball back. Our defense is going to stop them. When you're called upon, make a damn play. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> make a play. That's right. And you know what? Our guys showed a lot of resiliency. You know, they persevered, they weathered the storm, and we have this saying, we're going to play to the echo of that final whistle. That's right. And from that point on, you know what? That's why we're sitting here feeling <laughs> the way we are now. Our yeah. guys 
exuded that confidence, and they just played through the final whistle. Well, EB, you guys were kind of the cardiac kids going through the postseason anyway. I mean, coming back from 10 or more down in three consecutive postseason games. You know, Mel's mantra here at the University of Colorado is relentless, and, and you guys were that way, relentless throughout that postseason. My guess is, and you know this, uh, you know, c- coming from, from your playing days here, the way you guys were relentless to win the national championship – my guess is that that emanates from someplace. Now, I wonder, and I'm, I guess I'm asking you about Patrick Mahomes, does some of that come from, from a guy like that where that team believes that he's going to be able to make plays and lead that team late in the ballgame? You know what? I think it's more of the culture that we've established because it's the way we work. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we don't put anybody before anyone. It's all about each other. Everybody's just as important. But we understand that one thing that we got to do, we, we do everything full speed. Like I said, we play hard. We play fast. I always tell our guys to have a sense of urgency and a sense of purpose in everything that we do. And one thing when you're playing with a quarterback who has as much talent as Pat has, players has a tendency to get a little complacent because they're expecting him to make plays. Right, interesting. But, and I tell you, with Pat going through the, 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 the deal where he got hurt this year, it helped us to grow because now guys had to step up their game. Right. Matt Moore came in. Our guys showed the resiliency to, to let Matt know, hey, we have your back. You just go out there and run the offense. We got your back. And so we learned how to do things when things wasn't quite pretty. And that was a sign of maturity that just helped us to grow from that point on. And it happened in, in, in Denver in the game uh, that we played out there on a Thursday night. Sure. And our guys just showed this ability to just be resilient and remain composed through it all. And I think that's just a sign of maturity. It's a sign of the culture and what we've established here. And it just has become our identity. Now, I'm going to just say this. You never, ever want to spot a team 24 points. You never want to spot a team 10 points. You don't want to spot a team 10 points in the damn fourth quarter of a Super Bowl game. Yeah, not a good idea. We found a way. Well, I'll tell you, EB, I, you know, I coached 10 years in that league, and I know that you know, people ask me all the time about, you know, how do you coach guys that are making more money than you and all that? But, you know, I know that leadership – and in relationships with players and trust is huge. And um, I know that, you know, X's and O's are, you know, everybody's, everybody's good X's and O's and coaching and technique and fundamentals. But especially in that league, you have to have the respect of your players. So can you talk to us a little bit about the guys? I know you have relationships with defensive guys, but, you know, some of those guys on offense, the Miko Hardmans, like you talk about Tyreek, uh, Mahomes, a young guy, you know, how do you um, how do you help Andy Reid? How do you help that organization, um, you know, kind of build those relationships with those guys? And like, and be honest with like, what do you mean to those guys? Like, how do you help those guys on a day to day basis? Well, well, first of all, I, I'm gonna start here. So, our general manager and our scouting department, they Brett Veach has done a hell of a job here because. Yep. When it's all said and done with, it's just like anything, whether you're building a college program or you're building a professional program. It's all about having the right people in the building. So not only do we have talented football players, we got good people, okay? Players that understand what it takes to be a professional. Players that understand, uh, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. They understand the importance of having great work ethics. They understand, you know – 
what discipline is. Discipline is knowing what to do, knowing how to do it, and doing it the right way. And it's always about establishing relationships with people. Because I think what gets lost in all this is that these are still people. Yeah. All right? And you've got to establish those relationships. Coach Reed has been doing this, I mean, whoo, what, 21, 22 years, 21 years as a head coach now. And you talk about a person. I played for him in that first season as a head coach. He's always been one that have treated all of his people the same. I mean, he's very hard on what he does, but also, too, it's important that he establishes relationships with everyone in the building. And he gets to know the people and know the buttons to push. And so as a coaching staff, that trickles down. And it's important that we establish those relationships because when it's all said and done, you want to be able to know exactly what buttons to push. Every player does not learn exactly quite the same. You know, every player does not take the message quite the same. You have to know that player and that person better than anyone else to help get, you know, to maximize what you can out of them. And I think more than anything, that's what we've taken a tremendous amount of pride in doing is making sure that we know the people first. Mm. Because if you know the person, that player will run. He will do everything he can, all right? You can compel him to get anything done that needs to be done within what we're doing. And so relationships are still very much a part in how we do it. And I think that's just important you know, in any organization, or whether it's at the collegiate level or at the professional level. E.B., I'm sitting here listening to you and, and thinking about all the time I've known you over the last 16 years, uh, watching the success you've had at various stops, all that you've grown in, and, and how you're talking about, you know, uh, a franchise, how it should run. And you've been asked about this, I know, a thousand times, but you're sitting here as a Super Bowl champion offensive coordinator right now. Uh, how much do you think about being a head coach? Well, it, it always runs through your mind. I think that's anybody's dream. Everybody wants to be a head coach at the highest pinnacle at some point in their lives. And I've, I've dreamed about this moment for, <laughs> forever. And, you know, after going through all of the process and through the interviews, am I still excited about the opportunity of doing that? Yes. But I will say this. I've been blessed, you know, and fortunate to, to work for Clark Hunt and the Kansas City Chiefs organization. Also fortunate enough to, to work with Coach Reed. And here's the thing, and I say this, you guys have heard me say this before, sometimes without no bad luck, we wouldn't have any good luck at all <laughs> because we were there trying to get the program back up. And, you know, we didn't get it going and we were fired. And, you know, it was a great learning experience while I was there. That was the good thing. But, you know, being fired now, You never know exactly how things are going to shape after that. But with that, now I have an opportunity to reunite with Coach Reed. And and what a a great moment in time, you know, for me personally, to to have a mentor, a father figure, and on top of that, a beautiful football mind to, to, to learn from and to work with. And so... The head coaching deal, that'll take care of itself when it's when it's time. And at the end of the day, I just want to work for a team that just wants me. And right now, the team that wants me is the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm going to enjoy this moment in time. And we're turning the page and moving forward to the 2020 season. EB, can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with Andy Reid? And, um, you know, you're the offensive coordinator you know, and, you know, working alongside a guy like him, 
you know, uh, at what point did you feel like he, that uh, he had, you know, the trust in you that, you know, that you could that he could work with you in the coordinator role? And then how do you guys kind of go through the game planning and and uh, and your involvement there? And then, you know, input during the game in terms of you know what plays are called and things like that, like. Um, Andy Reid is one of the best in the business. We all know, and he's a great guy, and I love him to death. And so I know you do too. So can you just talk to us a little bit about that relationship, and then, you know, how you know maybe even off the field, and also, you know, just you know getting the job done and calling the plays. And so, like I said, my relationship goes back with Coach Reid for a number of years, and uh, he actually coached at Missouri back in the days when we were playing at Colorado yeah. many moons ago. But. Uh, you know, playing for him in the 1999 season, you know, when he was a head coach. But when I got here in 2013, uh, he asked me exactly what did I want to do. I said, well, coach, I said, first and foremost, I want to I want to be an offensive coordinator at this level, and I want to be a head coach. He said, well, if you trust me, we will make that happen. And I have nothing but the trust in him, uh, yeah. but the most trust in him because of who he is and the man that he is. And everything that he has said has basically come to light. And uh, one thing that he – the only thing Coach Reed wants you to do whenever you're working for him is be the best at your position. Be the best coordinator that you can be. You know, have a gr complete understanding of the offense, making sure I'm doing a great job of managing my staff and managing, you know, uh, the whole offense but also, too, having a, an input in what we're doing. One thing that we take a tremendous amount of pride in is remaining flexible. Yeah. You know, you always have to be a forward thinker when dealing with Coach Reed, and it's, it's helped me to grow as a coach because one thing his challenge is each and every year, he wants you to t stay two to three steps ahead of, of, of defensive thinking. And so the only thing that you're doing is just doing all your research throughout the offseason and on how can we improve? What are some of the things that we can help our guys uh, get better at? Or what's some of the new uh, concepts that we can introduce to our guys moving forward? And so he's actually been an inspiration. And then when talking about game planning, I mean, we're very, I am very much involved in everything that we do. Right. And I mean, it's, you know, we started on Monday figuring out, we start working on his magical board on, you know, how we going to do things, putting things up. Everybody has a piece of it, you know, between myself. We have our quarterback coach come in and um, come up with some ideas as well. And then we got a, a guy by the name of Joe Blaymeyer who helps out as well. But there's no egos involved. And so we sit there, we collaborate, and we just want to come up with the best ideas to help us, you know, each and every week. And so there's a day-to-day -day process where I'm spending, I can't tell you how much time, because it's an enormous amount of time, you know, with Coach, and then just, you know, having a complete understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing and how we want to attack them. And then on game day, hell, it's, it's more of a, a communication deal because now we're going through the game plan. And be, sometimes before he can even really spit the play out, because I'm in direct communication with the quarterback, I'm completing his sentence and giving the play to Pat. And so that's how unique of a, uh, of a bond that we have and the chemistry that's involved that has helped us, you know, that's just helped establish the success that we've had, you know, as an offense since we've been here. You know, so you're a great offensive mind. Obviously, Andy Reid's a legendary great offensive mind in the NFL. So 
All right. Who gets credit for that uh, little old Rose Bowl play from 1948 in the fourth down that <laughs> you guys are doing dance moves out there in the field? Where'd you guys find that one? You know what? That's been a collaborative effort. I, I, I will say that. <laughs> As an offense, uh, I mean, uh, Coach Reed, he found it. And my man, his personal assistant, Porter Ellett, has been working on that whole entire playbook area. So there's a collaborative deal. There's no egos involved, you know. And so I'm going to give all the credit to, to Coach Reed. I'm going to give it to Porter. You know, we just started working on it. We worked on that whole entire deal from the, the off season, And so – we just continue working at it, and then actually there's more plays to come to it. You know, we just showed the, the, the first step <laughs> in what we wanted to do with it in that particular situation. E.B., I'm sure our, our audience, um, they'd be interested to know, you, you kind of talked about being in direct communication with uh, the quarterback. Uh, can you kind of just expound on that a little bit? I know that, you know, there's the coach-to-quarterback communication, the offensive staff, all of you guys are on the same uh, – same line on the on the headsets. Coach Reed and yourself are trying to you know decide what play you want to run, but you've got your hand on that button, and you're actually the one talking to the quarterback and making sure he gets. Is that is that how you guys are running it? Exactly. So you know, throughout the course of the game, it's me and Coach Reed. It's us. We're talking, and so we may talk to guys throughout the course. You know, in between series. But if there's something that needs to be uh, communicated directly, we'll talk to uh, certain people upstairs, and they'll come in with lines of, lines of communications. Or, hey, you know what? It may come a point in time. We might just be out of ideas on the sideline. Hey, fellas, what you thinking here? <laughs> <laughs> we need to play. <laughs> hey, been there, been there, brother. Ideas, goes and. But, you know, when it's all said and done with, yeah, the, and, and, and that's the beauty of us because the chemistry outweighs everything. And uh, I think the ability for us to not have any egos involved because at the end of the day, it's all about us and the communication aspect of it. And I, I, I always share this with players and I share it with our coaches staff. Communication is the key to any successful relationship. And those who are married understand exactly what I mean. <laughs> I've been blessed and fortunate to be married for 25 years. And one thing I've learned, you got to be able to over-communicate clarity with one another. And so we do a great job of taking pride and communicating with one another. But when that play comes through, yes, I have to make sure that it's the proper play. And i got to be able to spit it directly, write the pat, and make sure that I'm giving him the precise information that is needed for us to go out there and execute. I think you just broke news on this uh, uh, podcast right there. You got a woman that, that has lived with you for 25 years, you're telling us. Yeah, how about that? 25 <laughs> years, and actually longer than that. It'll be 26. <laughs> and, oh, she forces me to communicate, even though when I don't feel like talking, because I've been talking all day, <laughs> or we're going to sit down there and talk, and we're going to have some verbal communication. There's going to be some things that I agree with or some things I don't agree with. But one thing we never do, we never go to bed angry. Mm. And so that's one thing we do. We, If there's a disagreement, we make sure we iron it out. Okay, and that's huge. Just like, you know, in any relationship, you want to make sure you iron out all the details because you don't want anything lingering because we work too hard at what we do to dislike one another. And you may not agree on everything. That's okay. There's no personal feelings because when it's all said and done with, we're always going to make sure that we're doing what is best for the Kansas City Chiefs organization. I love it. 
not not only offensive coordinator, he's got marriage counselor advice for all of us as well. <laughs> hey, all right, enough about this Kansas City Chief deal. We're going to start talking about some buffs time here. One thing I always love asking asking former players is, t- tell us about your recruitment, how you got here to University of Colorado and Bill McCartney became a Buffalo. So Dave Platt is really going to enjoy this one. So Oliver <laughs> Lucas, who was my running back coach, all right, he came to the uh, the Super Bowl. So I got him tickets to go to the game. And so when I was being recruited, I was being recruited by SC and a number of schools. And in my heart and mind, I was going to USC because of the high school that I went to. Historically, players that came out of Bishop Vermont High School in La Puente, California, uh, went to USC. And so that was the pipeline. And I was being recruited by UCLA as well. And you know, it was this coach that was recruiting me, and he was like, man, you know, you need to come up and take a trip to Colorado. And it, I laugh about this and I joke about this, but I had no idea what the hell the state of Colorado was <laughs> even on the map. And so every weekend I was going to SC football games or I was going to the UCLA football games. So I've gotten to know both staffs at the time. Coach Ted Toner was at USC and Coach Terry Donahue was at UCLA. And so I got to know all those guys on those teams. And, you know, in my mind, I was going to SC. And so Coach Oliver Lucas, who did a hell of a job of recruiting me, he said, listen, the only thing I want you to do is just take a trip. (laughs) I want you to take a trip. And so I came up. It was in December. I want to say it was that first weekend in December. And the guys were getting ready for to play Baylor, I want to say in the uh, the Blue Bonnet Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. And I came over that hill, and it was snow all over, and I had never, ever, ever seen anything so amazing and beautiful ever in my life. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I, I knew where I wanted to go. And meeting Coach Mack and having that opportunity to sit and talk with Coach Mack and watching the Mickey Pruitts, the uh, David Tates of the world, um, I mean, uh, Mike Marquez, Mark Hatcher, LC, you know, watching all those guys work and just seeing all the camaraderie that they had together and how tight they were. And how can I forget John Embry, you know, when he was playing tight end and watching how all those guys interacted. I was like, man, this is a special place. And I committed that weekend and I knew. That's where I wanted to go. And the funny part about it, many people laughed at me when I got back home and said, man, why would you even go to Colorado? I said, listen, don't worry about me. We're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, because you knew something special was on the horizon then. You just knew it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story, man. It's amazing to hear you say, hear you say that. I'm going to play that back to our staff. You know, And uh, I say it all the time. We just have to get them here. We could just yes. get them in town, get them, get them on campus. Yeah, you, you got a great, you got a great chance. No matter who else is recruiting these guys. Yeah. I mean, being recruited, being from where you were, and being recruited by USC and UCLA and all that. I mean, there had to be a tremendous amount of pressure for you to go to USC. Oh yeah, it was, and I mean, even some of my high school coaches, and not that they were trying to talk me out of it. They was like, "Are you sure this is what you want to do?" I was like, I I know in my heart and my soul that this is where I need to go because I just couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew at that particular time. And I can tell you who was all on that recruiting trip. Canavis McGee was there, uh, Alfred Williams, 
Mike Pritchard, George mm. Hemingway. Wow. You know, we took that, that, that recruiting trip right after who ended up going to Georgia. Yeah. Took that trip with us that weekend. So you knew something special was on the horizon. On the horizon. And then after just spending time with Coach Mack, if, you know, Coach Mack, I mean, he was a leader, still a leader of young men and a leader of men. He can get the very best out of you, but just watching those guys and how they practice and how they, 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 you know, just the camaraderie and the pride, you know, that everybody had in that black and gold uniform, those are the things that fired me up. And I was I was ready to roll. If I could have signed up and went to see you right then and there and played in that blue bonnet, <laughs> phone, I'd have did whatever the hell I could just to have that moment in time with him. Evie, the thing that has struck me over my 16 years here, getting to know all you guys from that championship team, is, is what you're referring to, the closeness, the camaraderie, the, the, the brotherhood that you guys had then, still have today, which is striking to me. What, where, where did that come from, number one? What was, it, was it Mac and, and how he influenced you guys? Was it just the group of you? And secondly, have you ever experienced a team, and maybe Kansas City this year is that team, where you've seen a group of guys that are that close as you guys were back then? You know what? It was one other time, and that was the time when we, uh, that 94 team, when I played with the uh, San Diego Chargers that ended up going to that Super Bowl, we we were probably as close, and we still keep in contact, just like uh, that team in, in the 1990 team with, uh, you know, at Colorado. But you talking about guys that, and you got to understand, it was a different day and age. We didn't play at Colorado University to go to the league. I don't think any of us at that particular time knew how talented or what we had, or even if we had a chance at making it, you know, at the next level. The only thing that we wanted to do is wear that black and gold uniform with just nothing but pride. Back in the Big Eight days, the challenge was, okay, can you beat Oklahoma? And obviously the, the huge rivalry game with the Nebraskas of the world. And you worked your tail off to outwork them and to be better than them. And those were the things that generated that excitement. And Coach Matt gave us that vision on how to basically, he set a roadmap on how to win the Big Eight, but also to just put yourself in position to play for a national title. And we held each other to a higher standard. I mean, if you guys remember back in those days now, hell, practices were harder than the games because we used to get after it every single day. And that peer pressure of being at your best in practice made you perform at a higher level on game day because we challenged each other. There was a whole lot of noise talk being, you know, <laughs> talk back and forth. forth. But we practiced, each, we practiced and played against each other harder you know, which made us so much better on game day. And guys just held each other to such a higher level of accountability. And, you know, that's why we achieved the success that we had. It wasn't that it just happened. Now, Coach Mack gave us that vision. He kept us in line. He kept us together. But on top of that, demanding, you know, excellence at all times, making sure guys made the very most of every opportunity that was presented to them. E.B., can you talk to us a little bit about the transition from, like, your high school to coming to, like, the city of Boulder? Like, what was that What was that like for you? Um, and did you ever have any moments where, you know, maybe in the dorm room as a freshman, like, wait wait a minute, I don't know, what I, what did I just do? You oh, know, yeah. did you, oh, can yeah. you talk to us about that a little bit? 
Well, Mel, you obviously haven't met Coach B enemy, man. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Coach Yeah. During that day and age, in 1987 through 1990 and 91, uh, we didn't even make up uh, – the African-American race didn't make up – I want to say it was less than 1% because I think it was only 300 students at the uh, school at that particular time that didn't even make up 1% of the uh, the student population. Sure. So it was tough. Yeah. It, it was tough. But I will say this. It, it, it helped us to grow because we were faced with different challenges every day. And either you were going to face and address that cha- uh, uh, challenge head on or you were going to run away from it. And there were many a times, okay, each and every one of us wanted to run and go back home yep. for whatever reason. But for whatever reason, guys just rallied around each other and said, nah, it, it, bruh, we're going to find a way to make this work. We came here for a reason. You know, we're not going to let anything or anyone keep us from accomplishing, you know, our mission or our goal of finishing what we started. And so things happen. You know, you're going to be faced with those different challenges, not only at the University of Colorado, but the day that you walk into the real world. There's going to be different challenges that you're going to be presented with. And going through all that has helped us. It helped us as young men at that young age, and then if you think about all the success that a number of our guys have had, you know, since leaving CU, uh, I mean, having those challenges, you know, helps to build character. And the character that has been developed and the perseverance and and guys just being poised and composed to deal with that at such a young age, you know, has built a a bunch of tremendous men that was a part of something special at that particular time. You, you just talked about perseverance. I want, I want to ask you about a, a moment in your career, and I want you to talk a little bit about it. You missed the, the 89 game versus Nebraska with injury. The next year in Lincoln, Colorado rallied in that game, and, and you had an awful tough start. Well, you have four or five fumbles, I think, in, in the first three quarters, but then you had to score, what, four touchdowns in, in the final frame to lead the Buffs back. How does a guy, a young man in your position, have that kind of start to a game and yet persevere and, and have the ability to mentally turn that around in the middle of a game like that and end up helping lead his team to a victory? Well, when you when you play with the, the – the, first of all, when you play for a head coach as we did and Coach Bill McCartney, there was no such thing as, you know, uh, that we were going to quit or just roll over just because of uh, of mistake that had possibly been made. Right you were going to find a way to drag yourself across the finish line and finish it the right way. And so you, we talked about accountability, just being accountable to my peers, to my, to my teammates. Right. I didn't want to be that guy that was going to be responsible for not giving us the opportunity to play for the national championship. And don't get me wrong. I, I mean, hell, I, I damn near single-handedly destroyed it. But <laughs> the only thing I wanted to do was to redeem myself. And just some of the things that I am putting to our players is, hey, the only thing that matters is the next play. You can't worry about the things that have happened. Okay, yes, those four fumbles took care of itself. You know, that that happened. But the only thing that matters is that very next play. And the only thing that you can do is play as hard as you can, all right, as fast as you can for that particular play. And you know what? 
guess what? If I'm detailing it and doing it the right way, we're going to line up and do it again. And so that was the mindset, and that's the same mindset that I take with our players because I want them to understand things happen throughout the course of a 60-minute game. Just like in life, you're going to have your hiccups. But when you find a way to persevere, all right, through those adverse situations, guess what? You're going to find a way to become a better young man because of it. But on top of that, being accountable to your peers is going to take you to an even higher level because you never, ever want to be that guy to to do something that's going to, you know, uh, not help everyone to achieve or, or to, to have that amount of success that was Lying right there in front of us. Yeah, EB, did you uh, did you know that you wanted to be a coach? <laughs> Good question. So I'm gonna tell you when it when it first hit me. It hit me in 1996 when Al Roberts was our special teams coach yeah. uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Coach Al Roberts, uh, who was one of my all time favorite special team coaches, used to have me break down film and you know and basically have me come up with a game plan, you know, how are we going to attack these teams in all four phases? Hmm. And so that's when I really started getting intrigued in it. And then uh, after doing that for three years, and then my last year with Coach Reed, we had this Invest in Yourself program, which was a program kind of what the player engagement does now with the NFL. Yep. But they kind of put – I had a mentor, and his name was Keith Lee. Keith, I think, played for the Giants – once upon a time, but he was my mentor. And so they put me through a whole bunch of testing. And the thing that I am fortunate of is that because of that program, it helped direct me and get me right into coaching because, first of all, it got me back in school to complete my degree. And I tell you what, when I went back to school, I figured out that if you just go to class and you listen and you take notes, you know what? School is pretty damn easy. <laughs> just go, go to class. You know, if you just go to class and do exactly what you're expected to do, because at that particular time, and Dave Platt can tell you, I had, I want to say, about a 3.8, 3.9 GPA Man. just because of the effort of going to class. And, you know, I took a lot of pride in that, and I was able to come back to finish up school. During that time, I coached at Thomas Jefferson High School uh, out in Denver. But at that time, the only thing I ever wanted to do was teach and coach at the high school level because I wanted to have an impact on young men's lives and, and just, you know, let them know there is, you know, many avenues to, 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 to gain success in life. But, you know, um, it was a trip because in 2001, January of 2001, I'll never forget when I got that call, uh, Coach Gary Burnett he gave me a call and said, hey, you know, I want you to come in and interview for uh, – this position. I think I'm going to have a running back coach position uh, available. And so with that opportunity of being around the program and going to school, you know, and, and meeting with all uh, the coaches throughout the whole entire season and off season, going into that uh, 2001 year, you know, gave me an opportunity to, 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 to be placed in this position. And I am very grateful for Coach Barnett giving me that opportunity. And the sky has been the limit ever since then. You know, fans always love to hear the old stories from, from back in the day. If, if there is one story from your career, maybe specifically around the title season, that uh, you get asked most about here at the University of Colorado, what would it be? 
Uh, you know, do you know where I'm at right now? Do you know what state that I am coaching in? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, I get asked about that all the time. The fifth down game, the fifth down at Missouri. <laughs> Contrary to what we've heard recently, uh, Kansas City uh, is not <laughs> technically in Kansas. Yes. Yeah, it's in the state of Missouri. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, and Coach Reed was the O line coach on that staff, and okay. so I get killed with this. Every, I can't tell you, it comes up a bunch. But the thing I always explain to people is, you know, I think, first of all, I always talk about the field because the field was awful. And we would have won that game if John Bowman could have kept his feet and he would have just scored on that one play that we threw to him. But he failed, and there was no one around. But, you know, one thing that I did learn was that there, uh, there was a gentleman that had a massive heart attack in the stands and so I think that's why the the people that was running the uh, the chains end up getting confused uh, of mm-hmm. the down and distance. But we had no idea. And I remember when we were talking to Coach Mack on the sideline, Jay Lewenberg was like, hey, we can't spike this ball. We can't spike it. And so we have no idea. We're telling Jay, just shut the hell up. <laughs> and so we spiked it on fourth down, not knowing it was fourth down. You Always know, got to listen to those offensive linemen there, E.B. They, they know. Those are smart guys. How about that? <laughs> and, and we had no idea, but that's the game I get criticized about throughout the whole since I've been here. But I will say this. I think a lot of people do not know how great of a game that was. That was a hell of a game of two old-school Big A teams going at it. And, yes, it ended on the fifth down, not intentionally, because if you think about it, technically we only had four. So, because we used four plays to score. We didn't use that other play to score because we spiked it. <laughs> hey, E.B., you were, um, you were teammates with our tight ends coach, Al Papunu, uh, at San Diego. You guys played in the, in the Super Bowl. Do you got any good uh, Coach Al stories for us, man? Yeah, Anything I can use? I'm going to share here on this podcast. <laughs> 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 I, know he got a, I know he got a few of them <laughs> me. Yeah, I was going to say, you better be careful there, yeah. Yeah. But let me tell you something. I have been so fired up since Coach Papuno has been there. You're talking about a great human being, yeah. a great man, a great family man, someone who has been coaching. I mean, hell, he coached at his, his own school for a number of years. And I've just always been a fan of Alfred's because, first of all, you're not going to outwork him. He takes a tremendous amount of pride in everything that he does. And you can't – I mean, you couldn't ask for a guy who can – bring some passion and, and, you know, intelligence to the game. And I'm just happy that he's a buff now. And that's some, some, some unbelievable stuff. It's, it's amazing how life, you know, just takes these twists and turns. Here we are with, with teammates playing in the Super Bowl 25 years ago, and now he's coaching at, uh, at Colorado University. Yeah. You're talking about a great story. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. Hey, speaking, no, speaking, no of your, oh yeah, speaking of your time at San Diego, I'm wondering this. Uh, Colorado, of course, shared the national championship with Georgia Tech. The head coach is Bobby Ross. Bobby Ross was your coach at San Diego. Did, did, did that whole uh, sharing of the championship and who was more deserving of that title ever come up with you guys? I told Coach Ross we would have kicked their ass. So. <laughs> 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 but I will say this, Coach Ross. 
he used to bring up the fifth down deal all the time. And they had a great team then, too. It's unfortunate we didn't have the playoffs because we'd love to play Georgia Tech. I think um, I think our guys would have rose up to that challenge because we'd have played them at the parking lot if we could have. You know, that's just the type of team that we had. And uh, Coach Ross and them, they actually had a great team. They had a great run. But like I said, I, I, t- I used to tell Coach Ross all the time, we'd have got you. We would have got you. <laughs> you know, uh, E.B., you know, being in the league, you know, for 10 years, I mean, I – I followed you, you know, coaching, and uh, hell, always had a lot of respect. And uh, as I remember, you did coach Adrian Peterson, didn't you, in Minnesota? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. I was always under the impression that you were the guy who taught him how to hang on to the football. I don't know how many people know, but AP had a he, – he put the ball on the ground quite a bit. And I remember you going in there, and I don't know what you did, but you pretty much – solve those issues for him. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? You know what? It was Adrian, to this day, we're, we keep in contact. But yeah. uh, I had developed a relationship with Adrian. It started his junior year when he was at uh, Palestine High School. And I was actually at, at CU at the time. It was in 2002. He was a junior. And I, re- I continued my recruiting process with him at UCLA. Okay. But just spending all that time recruiting him, yep. okay, helped to establish a relationship. And so when I got to uh, Minnesota, you know, I had, I've known um, uh, Adrian. I knew his family. I knew him as a person and got to it, push all those different buttons. Yep. And, you know, one of the first things I asked him, I asked him, well, how great of a player do you want to be? And you knew the answer that you were going to get because he, he's always said this. You know, he's always said that he wants to be the best ever. Well, I told him, well, if you want to be the best ever, there's some things we got to work on. Yeah. Ball security being one and just making sure that he has a, a true understanding of what it means to be the best at that particular position. And it was going to be a hard, a lot of hard work. I was going to demand excellence from him at all times. I wasn't going to allow him to take anything for granted. You know, and like I told him, I'm going to coach hard, but I'm going to coach you fair. Okay, but I'm going to get after you and don't take anything personal. If you just listen to the message and learn to trust me, we will get everything that we need to get out of you. And I would like to say that he improved in many areas. Yes, he did. You know, he improved. And the thing that I was proud of just working with him more than anything was just his ability to allow me to be me with him. And at times, it wasn't pretty now. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times he wanted to fight me. And I said, hell, you'd rather fight me than fight those guys across from me. That's a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? So right, right. I know when you're at that point, now we got a chance because now you're going to use all that energy against that opponent and make sure that you're unleashing it at the right particular times. But love him as a person, love him as a player. You're talking about a guy who never takes anything for granted and still, at this day and age, playing at a high level and has become a mentor with the Washington Redskins at this particular point because he's teaching those guys how to be a true professional at the highest level. E.B., I've heard it said by coaches that great players – I don't know if easy is the right word, but but I'll use it. They're they're easy to coach because they want to be coached because they want to be great. Have you found that to be the case? Oh, yes, because they want to be challenged. 
they don't always want to be told, you know, the things that they're good at. It's just like we we got a great kid here in Pat Mahomes. You're talking about a kid that has a beautiful personality, who comes from a great home. His dad played in the major leagues. So he had an idea of what it was like to be on the big stage. But you talk about a kid who has a tremendous amount of talent. You can coach him as hard as he needs to be coached. He don't want to hear the things that he did a great job on. He wants to hear the things that he needs that he needs to work on and things that needs to be corrected. And if there's a mistake that he made, he wants to hear about it. And those are the type of players that you want because those are the guys that are driven, you know, to be the very best that they can be. And, you know, if you can have enough of those guys, the sky can be the limit for any program. Hey, E.B., um, I, I think I just got one – Right, one last question for you, man. I really appreciate you coming on, but since I have you on, man, I we got to talk about this NFL job interview deal, you know, because I get people coming up to me like the last two weeks, every single day, all day, talking about you. And I've been through it. I mean, I interviewed five or six times for head coaching jobs, you know, three times in the NFL. Um, how, how, do you feel like? How do you feel like you did on those interviews? You know, how do you um, how do you feel about that process? And then, um, did you get any feedback from those interviews? And um, and then, did you think at some point did you think that you you might you had a job? And and then, how did you find out that you didn't have one? And you're trying to get ready to coach these games. Like, talk to us a little bit about that. I, just like I've said to everybody since this process has been taking place, I thought my process was outstanding. I thought I did a great job of interviewing. I'm not trying to sound arrogant. Yeah, of course. I'm humble, and I worked my tail off to to be uh, to put myself in that situation to be given that opportunity. But one thing you learn throughout this entire process is that it has to be the team that wants you. And so, only thing I can do is be me. The yeah. only thing I can show you is that, you know, Eric Bieniemy is ready for this process. You know, he's he's seen it all. He's done it all. I've been doing this for 19 years. So there isn't anything that I haven't seen. So my preparation for those particular interviews were great. I did a hell of a job. But you only want the teams that want you. Yeah. And everybody wants to hear me be upset about the process. No, I am not upset about the process. The only thing that it has done is made me more hungrier to be better than what I am. All right, it's excited me because now, you know, if, if a team doesn't want me, that's okay. I get to come back and work with a great organization and a great young team and one of the best head coaches in the league. And moving forward, am I better? No, not at all. Because if I am blessed, you know, with that opportunity to go through this process again, the only thing that you want, you want it to be the right team that's the right fit. Because if they want me, now they're going to get the very best of me. They're going to get a passionate EB. They're going to get a guy that's going to do everything possible to bring that organization to championship. So my process... Loved it. You know, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But what did work out, we ended up winning the Super Bowl. So <laughs> That's right. Never, ever wanted to take away from what we were accomplishing sure. or trying to, uh, uh, what we were working for. Yep. I didn't want anything to become a distraction to take away from what we were working at or working towards. I just wanted to keep 
You know, I've always had this mindset. We're just going to keep chopping wood. Yeah. We're just going to keep chopping wood. And then on top of that, we're going to take each day, you know, one day at a time. And within that day, we're going to take each meeting and each particular play one day at a time and one play at a time. And so those were the only things that mattered. And the head coaching stuff, that had to take care of itself when yeah. the time is right. Well, it's a phenomenal uh, perspective, E.B., and uh, there's no doubt in my mind uh, there will be a head coach, Eric Bianami, here in the not-too-distant future. Hey, before we let you go, i got one more for you. Because you have, you have bled, you've cried on these fields here at the University of Colorado. You know what this program is. I know you love this place as much as anybody. As, as you've watched from the outside now, from there in Kansas City, with Mel being here for now a little over a year, having one season under his belt, what, what's been your perspective of the Colorado Buffaloes football program under Mel Tucker? I see a tremendous amount of pride. I see guys out there playing very hard. Uh, one thing, and I haven't even had a chance to say this, Coach Mel, anytime myself or Sid can sit and watch the game, we watch every game. I mean, and first of all, just the, the, the pride tradition of Colorado football is returning. And I, they couldn't have asked for a better man, all right, to be placed in that particular position. I am so happy and so proud of Coach Mel Tucker and what he's accomplished so far. And the sky is going to be the limit because I know how hard he's going to work. I know how important recruiting is to him. But on top of that, he, he understands how important it is to get the very best out of those guys by establishing the relationships that needs to be established. So I am looking forward to watching Coach Tucker and his staff grow and get through this process together because when it's all said and done, we'll be sitting here you know, enjoying the fruits of his labor here, you know, within the near future. And I'm excited about what you guys have built so far and the direction uh, in which you guys are headed moving forward. Well, I appreciate that, EB, man. I, uh, we have great tradition here, and I always point back to that, and you're a big part of that tradition. So we're going to find a way. We're going to get it done, brother. I appreciate you. I, like oh, I know you're going to get it done, bro. I know it. I see it. I can feel it. And like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm just excited and fired up for you. And anything that I can do, please let me know. I'm not going to be like Odell passing out money on the side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but <laughs> my goal is to make it back for Buffs for Life. And uh, I know LC wants me to come back at some point in time to spend some time with you guys and what we'll do, we'll see exactly when we can make that work. But uh, yeah. I'm just fired up about you guys. I'm fired up about the direction you guys are heading. And, hell, I'm fired up for Rick George as well and Lance. You know, I just, I'm just excited. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll, we'll see you soon, yeah. no doubt. Good stuff. Yes, he, he, hey, congratulations on the Super Bowl. Well, one thing we do know, when Eric Bianabee's involved in a championship game in Miami, his team's going to win. We know that. That's, <laughs> that's nice to Hey, brother, we appreciate catching up with you. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. The great Eric Bieniemy, the all-time leading rusher in Colorado football history, and, and Mel, you know, well, you listen to Coach Mack tell stories about E.B. And, and his personality and his drive and his impact and his leadership. You get a little sense of it there over the last forty-five minutes, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, E.B. is is one of the was one of the best, uh, one of the greatest boss of all, of all time, and just uh, just to tell you guys, I mean, his reputation in the National Football League as a coach, in, impeccable. I mean, and and. And uh, at some point, he's going to get he's going to get an opportunity to be to be a head coach, and you can tell just by listening to him that you know he he gets it. You know he yeah. knows he knows about relationships and and leadership. He's kind of been there, and done that. 
I mean, he checks all the boxes, and it's just a matter of time before he gets that opportunity. He is one of the great bumps of all time. Now he's a Super Bowl champion and uh, certainly will be a head coach in the NFL in the not-too-distant future. Great guest today on Mel Tucker's Inside Zone. For the head coach of the Buffaloes, Mel Tucker, on Voice of the Bus, Mark Johnson. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.